From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Talk on a Super Wild Card Weekend Preview. My goodness. Super Wild Card Weekend. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. We've got a busy show lined up for you today as well. Lots of great guests. Andrew Forrest is going to drop by from El Paso Locomotive FC in a little bit. Talk to Andrew. We've got uh, Lane Frank, the host of Schoolyard Sports. Your national champion, Lane Frank. As a Michigan Wolverines fan, he is going to come in here with a bigger smile than normal. I'm excited about that as well. A little pep in his step. Well, wouldn't you expect a little more pep in his step? He had a great video on Instagram, by the way. Check him out, Schoolyard Sports. If you're not already following Lane Frank on Instagram, he has a great video breaking down the win. Uh, comes in with a lot of energy, a nice new Michigan uh, hoodie, Ooh. and uh, a helmet as well to go along with it. So it's a great he, video. Wait, he's got a helmet? I believe so, yeah. It's, wow. It was a great one. So, I like that. Very good video. Uh, he does a great job on Schoolyard Sports yes, with does. their Instagram. And, uh, yeah, it's he's had a ton of different posts since, uh, of course, Michigan ends up winning the national championship. So it was great. It was awesome. Looking forward to that. So, uh, yes. The helmet looks really nice, by the way, Steve. You'll like it. And he even had balloons in the background, too. Gosh, he's going all out, isn't he? He is, man. He is. I'll, I'll send this to you so you can see it. Yeah, please do. All right, so we've got that to talk about. We'll also get uh, the Foss joining us on the show today as well as uh, we get going. And uh, yesterday, good show. Hey, I liked the 6 o'clock hour yesterday when we asked our listeners if there was one improvement they could get for the Sun Bowl, what would it be and why? I thought that was our six, basically our, our last 40 minutes of the show. We had some really good responses on that, and I enjoyed uh, our listeners' input on the Sun Bowl improvements. Me too. I mean, we had some really uh, ambitious ideas like a retractable dome for the Sun Bowl. We even had some simple fundamental changes that people want to see, yeah. like Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi being ha- uh, had and held at the Sun Bowl. So really good uh, recommendations. Would love to hear more. Let's go to it, man. We got Daniel starting us off here on a Friday afternoon. Can't wait for this call. Daniel, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, just surviving the windy weather. There you go. Good for you. I'm happy you survived. That's that's all that matters. You didn't get blown away. That's good to hear. Nope. I want to talk football. Let's do it. I got two things. I'll make them fast. Beautiful. First of all, about the colors, why they paint the helmets and that. Back in the day, both teams all played in all white. So it's very difficult for the officials to differ, separate the teams, you know, the team players, since they're wearing all white and that. So then they added color and said, paint the helmets. Yeah. And made it so the officials could separate the teams and also safety. Made sense. And then, of course, we had the Michigan design, right? And that was kind of one of the first uh, special designs. They call that like the... uh... I don't know if it was the Flying Eagle or something like that, but just a, a a winged. I think it was the winged design. Is that? And I mean, I I thought I saw that the winged design actually started with like Iowa in the early 1930s. Like that's been around a long time. Or Indiana, actually. I think Indiana had that winged design before before everybody. Did then before. my second thing yeah. is, um, I know you guys have talked about it quite a bit, but I'm going to say. Packers 35, Cowboys 31, close and tight. Wow, you're picking against the Cowboys. Well, it's like they said, you know, Dallas has had a hard time beating um, 
winning teams and Green Bay has just got hot at the right time. I know, but they're home. They're eight and zero at home. By the way, okay, let's just say this happens, right? Let's say let's say your 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 prediction comes true and Green Bay beats the Cowboys. Do they fire Mike McCarthy? I think so. Okay. I would agree with that. He's got his time. I would agree. He's got his chance. And if they fire Mike McCarthy, who do they hire? Ah, uh, that that's a good that's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. That's why I asked you, because I don't know. I mean, could you ever see a scenario where the Cowboys hire Bill Belichick? No, Belichick, he's way past his prime, you know. Yep. Yep. I know. So you don't think Belichick. But um, I get that. So could they possibly hire Dan Quinn as their next head coach, their defensive coordinator, who's going to be a hot candidate this offseason? That could be a good choice, you know, somebody that's been with the system and knows it. Well, let me tell you something. If Green Bay beats the Cowboys, all hell's going to break loose uh, in, in, in the state of Texas. That will, I mean, that is the worst possible scenario, especially if Houston beats Cleveland and the Cowboys lose to the Packers and the Texans are the only Texas team alive after the wild card round. Can you imagine that, Adrian, how crazy that would yeah, be? Yeah, I would love for that to happen, to be honest oh with you, Steve. Uh, well, not so much against the Cowboys. This has nothing to do with the Cowboys. It's just the remarkable story that is the Texans, right? Uh, I would just want them to advance no matter what. So, for, you know, mm. forget the Cowboys game even exists. I just want the Texans to have success and, and advance to the next round just because of a, a story and what that has really been. But yeah. this one has so many storylines, right? I mean, it's it the does. Aaron Jones game uh, going up against Mike McCarthy. All I can remember is him waving goodbye, the $10,000 fine that he incurred after waving uh, goodbye to that defender and racing into the end zone. I can remember that one in my head. And it just seems like Aaron Jones shows up at AT&T Stadium whenever That's he true. plays the Cowboys. I agree with you. The team he rooted uh, growing up at, you know, for. So he, he rooted for the Cowboys as he was growing up here. Tell you what. Daniel's picking Packers. I know somebody's going to be picking the Cowboys, and that's going to be the Foss. Right, Daniel? Oh, yes. The one final quick one here. Yeah. What about Kansas City and the Dolphins with this really crazy weather? It's going to be super cold. Yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs. Can you really see the Dolphins winning in weather when it's negative degrees? Uh, That's going to be hard to do. I agree with you. Good job, man. Appreciate the call. Have a good weekend, Daniel. All right, let's keep moving. We'll go from Daniel over to Ruben. He joins us next on the show. Hey, Ruben, what's happening? Buenas tardes, amigo. Buenas tardes, Ruben. What's going on? Como estas? <laughs> muy bien, muy bien. So, uh, football weekend. Yes. I tell you what, this is going to be nothing but stay at home, don't get off the couch weekend, and it's awesome. It's awesome. Could not agree with you more. I think it's going to be an amazing three days of football. Amazing. Yes, it is. Yep, yep. First, I'll start. let's start off with the Cowboys and the Packers. I hope that a lot of people don't take the Packers for granted because, um, like your previous caller was saying, and you as well, um, Green Bay seems to show up when they go to AT&T Stadium. Yes, they do. Um, yes, you know? they do. 100%. And uh, Aaron Jones coming back. Um, he's been lighting it up the last couple of weeks since he's come back. Um, you know, I, I feel a little torn because, you know, I'm a diehard Cowboy fan. But I love me some Aaron Jones, you know? I don't know how anybody could not love Aaron Jones. You know, unless I guess you're a... Agreed. Unless unless you root against the Packers. But, man, uh, he has been... What a career. What a career. Unbelievable. Yep, yep, I agree. 
And then, um, you know, like Adrian was just saying, I'd, I'd love it if the Texans won. You know, those guys have been around for so long now, and they really haven't been up there in the in the playoff scene. And yeah. they've got an amazing quarterback in C.J. Stout. And, you know, what he's been able to do this year, it's just it's beyond, it's beyond believable, man. I mean, you know, so I, I would love to see that team do something. I really would. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, the only person I know that's going to disagree with you is Chad Middleton because he's a diehard Browns fan. And and let's oh, well. be honest. I mean, the cool thing about this game is that no matter who wins, right, the Browns have had even worse luck than the Texans have had over the years because they've been around longer and they've never been relevant in the playoffs. So these are That's two true. these are two teams that both have something in common. They just have had zero playoff success to get excited about. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the way I feel about the Browns is it hasn't been significant since they started. So why let them start now? Why ruin a good thing? Oh, man. Oh, you know? man. Well, look, I'm here's sorry. the thing, Ruben. You at least <laughs> you were alive when Jim Brown was running the Browns to uh, the uh, NFC title game in 64. You could at least say that you were a kid, but you were around for it. Yeah, I, I, I can I can. Vaguely remember watching that on my mom and dad's black and white television set at home. I believe yep, it. You're absolutely right. I believe. Yeah, it. and that's and that's yeah. like the and last we, time they were seriously like good. Good. I mean, you know, they've right. had their moments. Bernie Kosar had a couple of good right. years, and before that, Brian Sipe in the early '80s. But I mean, right. think about that. Cleveland has yeah, just that's true. God, they've 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 been. It's been such a rough, rough go for that poor team, and then they had to come back as an expansion team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I guess the only reason I would find myself maybe kind of, I mean, like, ever, I guess you would call it a smidgen of, of pulling for them, for the Browns. Yeah. It would be for my buddy up at UTEP, uh, Mark Bruner. There you go. You know, you I go. know, I know that he's been through a lot, and um, I know how that feels because we haven't won diddly squat since the Super Bowl 30. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're due, man. We're due. And then, uh, let me jump ahead to Monday night. Please. And I got to tell you, anybody but the Eagles, bro. Anybody but the Eagles. A-B-E for you. That's it. All right. That's it. That's it. Well, you and, know what? The, uh, good, the good news is that team is playing awful football right now going into this postseason. And to me, it's just a matter of time. I don't, I don't see Philadelphia putting it together over the next three weeks. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right because um, – I think it's time for somebody else to come in, and they kind of had their chance this season. And uh, I think when they started kind of like losing it and, you know, jumping out of the boat, I thought, you know what, give somebody else a chance and let's just move on. There you go. But um, got to say one last thing. When you talk to the Foz, give him my best, um, and we'll see what happens this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. I'm going to ask you this question before I let you go. Yes, sir. Is this the best – is this year, in your opinion – the best chance the Cowboys have to go all the way to Vegas um, since their last uh, Super Bowl title. Do you feel like this team is poised and this could be the year based on what you've seen so far and what you've seen in previous years? Well, I am a betting man. It is going to be in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I believe that you are absolutely right in that statement. Okay. No okay. doubt. Good stuff. If they don't do it this year, I think we're going to go through a bunch of stuff again because – I honestly think that if the Cowboys don't make it to the Super Super Bowl this year, yeah. I think McCarthy's gone. I agree. Period. I think it could very you well know. happen. We'll see. All right, Ruben. Sure. Appreciate you, man. Okay. Thanks for the call. Okay, man. Bye-bye. 
Let's go to Luis. He's next. Then we'll take a break and come back after Charlie One and talk a little uh, locomotive action with uh, Andrew Forrest. Luis, what's going on? How are you? We love you, baby. You we do, Luis. You. you do. I was telling uh, our good friend that I, I've been a listener, a loyal listener. Forever. For years, a hundred years. Forever. I mean, since you were since you were a toddler, since you were in diapers. I know, man. <laughs> I know. And by the way, I'm getting emails. They're terrific. Thank you for those. Hope you're off to a good start in 2024. Oh, man. The Lord is great. Attaboy. We're blessed. We're good. Healthy. Everything. But let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, first things first. I have a couple of things to talk to you. Sure. Uh, I, shall I start with uh, the famous Don Julio? That, that, that tequila? Oh, baby. Yes, Don Julio. See, senor, mire, mire, okay, listen to me. You know that, that I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I always look, look and try hard, you know? That's the name of the game, baby. You know, Don, Don Julio, the, the correct name is Don Julio Real. Ah, Don Julio Real. Okay. Yes, sir. Got yes, it. sir. I can't roll you my R's, so that's the best you're getting from me, but go ahead. I don't know why this kid uh, hasn't delivered, but anyway. Oh, I know why. He's a come on. Augustine's a flake. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. But that's all right. That's okay. That is okay. We all know he is. I mean, he's a Pope Catholic. There you go. You know, he he claims he played professional basketball in Mexico, and we're still waiting for one photo to show us that. So yes, keep keep going. As mentiroso, mira, you can get it. We can get it for. $949.99. Wow. Uh, we can get it for $453.50. This is this is uh, Real Real? The twos? The two Real? Yes, uh, yes, sir, Bob. Listen, listen, uh, listen. Here's, as far as I'm concerned, listen, nobody should spend any money on this. This was something Augustine promised eight years ago. And I, I am still waiting for him to deliver on the promise. Actually, he might have promised it 10 years ago for all that. It's, it's been so long now, I've, forgot, I've lost track of time. It's okay. You know how many bottles of tequila I've enjoyed since that promise? Um, you know, hundreds, hundreds. So that's okay. We can get it uh, down, down in Juarez. Yeah. And I, I, if you email or get in touch with me, call me to my house. Because su casa, I'll let you know where. Thank you. Because I don't want to get the, the promotion. You know, yeah, the, I the appreciate other that. But Thank we you. can get, and you know, my compadre, yeah. uh, he's from, from uh, Tequila, Jalisco. Oh. He says, no problem. He, you, he can, you, we can cross it. Uh, it's no problem. That, Please, that, of course you can cross it. The whole, the whole concept that he said years ago that it got stopped and held up for seven years at the board. I, why would you stop it with that? That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Absolutely. Well, first of all, yeah. uh, well, next thing. Yes. Alex Verdugo would be left fielder, I think. My man, Aaron Judge, would be center fielder. Yep. Juan Soto, right fielder. There's That's your outfield. You. That's your outfield. That looks great, yeah. And then we have Anthony Volpe, shortstop. Yep. We have Glaber Torres, whom I like a lot. Yep. Uh, we have uh, LeMahieu in third. Uh, catchers, Wells, and Trevino. Got a nice and, little team. Got a nice little team. And then you just signed Marcus Stroman today to a two-year deal to go into that rotation. Not bad at all. And Anthony Rizzo. Yep, Rizzo at first. That's right. Okay, 
I'll finish. Stanton I'll at finish. DH. There you go. I, I saw Jim Brown play his whole uh, career pro football, of yeah. course, on TV. But, you know, I'm that young. I, I saw everything since 1958, 59, 60s, everything, baby. So I, I tell you, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys, they better win. They, they, I mean, uh, there's no tomorrow. There's no excuses. Uh, well, okay, next, Tampa Bay and Philly. I'll take Tampa Bay. There you go. Uh, L.A. Rams and Detroit. Oh, Detroit is, man, we've seen Detroit for years and years, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy that they're doing good. I'll take the, the Lions, but I think the Rams are going to win. And then uh, we have Cleveland. My, I love Cleveland. Houston, I do like them a lot. Joe Flacco is incredible. Miami and Kansas City. I'll take Kansas City. And Pittsburgh, I do not like Pittsburgh. I'll, I'll take, take Buffalo. Buffalo. All right. Good picks. Good picks. Listen, I got to get to a break. Luis, terrific stuff. Always great to hear from you, especially early today. Giving us a, a 4 o'clock call versus a 6 o'clock call. Great stuff. Enjoy the weekend. Shalom, baby, and thanks for the call. Shalom, babe. There he is. All right. That's our start to the show. What a start it is. Unbelievable. When we come back, we will talk a little locomotive uh, action. We've got Andrew Forrest, general manager, stopping by. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here after Charlie won 600 ESPN El Paso. Since uh, Andrew Forrest uh, dropped on in, saying hello to us. And uh, the general manager of El Paso Locomotive FC has a lot to talk about. They've been signing players left and right over the last couple of months. It's the new year, which means season's right around the corner. We've got a friendly to talk about against uh, neighboring FC Juarez. Uh, Happy New Year. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Happy New Year. It's, uh, it's great to be back on. Good to be back with you. I'm excited about that. A lot happening since we last spoke. you got a new clothing manufacturer now. you got a deal with uh, Thermoflask, I think, or Hydro, is it Hydroflask? Hydroflask, Hydroflask yep. you got that going on. you got uh, a bunch of new players coming in. A lot happening around here. Yeah, we've, we've been busy. Uh, yes, you have. You know, we had, a, we had a, you know, a, a decent season, a bounce back. We got into the playoffs, and, and I think we performed okay in Orange County. Uh, just didn't do enough to, to get a result, but... I think you know with continuity with bringing you know Brian coming back for his second year, uh, being able to retain some players that 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 you know we think can make a difference, and then go out and get six, seven, eight new guys. Uh, if you look oh, yeah. if you look at the some of the different players that we've picked up, um, you're looking at you're looking at at some some USL ecosystem stars uh, from various different teams, and we're really excited about the way this team has been put together. And there are uh, a, still a few more tricks up the old proverbial sleeve uh, still to come in the next couple of weeks. You tell me, because you've been at this now since this team first arrived in El Paso. How difficult is it when it comes to negotiating with agents, signing players, doing your research, your homework, and really trying to put these rosters together? I will uh, keep this PG for the show. The agents are no, no, are, no. Give us the R version. The agents are very difficult to work with in this okay. country. I can't. I've heard that they're much easier uh, to work with in other countries. Here, it's it's the wild west. There aren't a lot of rules, and mm-hmm. and we have some some club guidelines that we've established that they simply do not want to adhere by. So it can make it difficult, and we've we've certainly had to walk away from some some players that we really liked but all in all we usually figure out a way to get it done and 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 uh you know our coaching our coaches over the course of times and, and Brian does an excellent job with with negotiation and and uh you know we feel really good about the players we're bringing in we certainly uh, had to say goodbye to some players that have been around for a while, but that's that's the nature of the business, and uh, we look to move forward and have a great year. You've had two 
coaching transitions since you've been here where you've had to sign players before coaches have even been in place? And that's, I mean, you tell me, is that really the challenging thing sometimes is putting a roster together where you know that your next coach will inherit players that they didn't necessarily sign off on? It's extremely difficult because, you know, every coach wants to wants to bring in their I mean, it's no different in any sport. It, you know, you, you know, we, a lot of changes going on in, in, in college football right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, you guy going into uh in Alabama you know that's that's a that's best case scenario but there's a lot of guys that are you know the the new UTEP coach is going to come in he's going to have a different scheme he's going to want different players and and he's going to have to take give him a couple years to try to figure that out and and it's a little different here because you know we're we're paying players with contracts um but but it takes a couple years to to get to what the coach wants and and there's you know when we you know Mark Lowry left and then we had John Hutchinson and then John Hutchinson left and we brought in Brian those were two seasons where for better or for worse, we're you know we're making decisions on players, and and you know I think we did okay, but it's not necessarily my expertise. But we've we've certainly learned a lot. But but you know taking what Brian knows, and then you know me in the background with some other people trying to help him um, as best we can with negotiation. It, you know I think we've gotten a really good good point where we've brought in some some national team level players. Uh, you know San Antonio's one of their best attacking players. We've got brought in New Mexico United, our arch rival, their best player in, in possibly the, their entire program in Amando Moreno, um, who who's you know on with Eric Cavillo is in the El Salvadorian national team pool and, and those guys might be getting call up soon. So there's a, a, a lot to be looking forward to. Yeah, there really is. And that's the thing. You've you've gone out and, and you've been aggressive this offseason. You've made additions. I think the one big name that's not coming back is Lucho, and because he's been so important to the uh, goal-scoring fabric of this club ever since he first arrived, always tough when you've got to part ways with somebody that uh, has been as popular as him. Lucho's a great, he's a great guy, um, and he's a great player. He's one of the classiest finish, finishers I've ever seen in over 11 years in, in, in pro soccer. He's got one of the best touches. Um, you know, he's getting up there a little bit in age, but we, we yeah. wanted, we wanted to bring him back. He, he, you know, we had to move on because he, he couldn't, didn't want to make a decision, but we wish him well, uh, except for when he plays us and he's going back to San Antonio where he's familiar and, uh, you know, good, good for him and good for his family. Um, one other name that uh, you announced they will be coming back, and that is Yuma. Is Yuma the only player who's been here since season one, day one? That is correct. Yuma was brought in year one and has been a stalwart, and I would contend one of the biggest fan favorites that this club has. It's you know him, Diego Luna, and I, and and that might be the the, the upper echelon of, of fan favorites. Benny Diaz made a big splash in his one year here, but. Uh, yeah, if you look at Facebook and, and the various different social medias today, a lot of people were very happy to see him come back, and uh, and that includes me. I think he's an unbelievable competitor. He is. He's a great. He's a great player. He's still got something left to give. We believe that, and uh, we're excited to to see him to see him go another round. He is such a competitor that I privately have nicknamed him the Human Yellow Card. Yes, because I feel You're like nobody nobody uh, in the history of Locomotive FC picks up yellow cards uh, at a frequency like Yuma does. And again, that's just kind of a testament to the way he plays the game, and he plays it hard, and he's, you know, he's, he's not going to change his style for, uh, for anything. No, he's not, and we could probably do some research. I'll, uh, I'll get back to you uh, and let you know how many career yellow cards and red cards he has here. Um, and I actually got a report today from, from the USL kind of recapping some different things. And uh, the league average for, for yellow cards in the season was like 46, 48, and our, we were like 86. So, we, you know, we have an identity. We're not, yes, you do. We're not going to let it uh, you let you get away with it. And if you're going to beat us, you're going to earn it. Um, and that, that, that starts with Yuma. That starts with Pirelli, guys that have been here from day one and, and guys that, you know, 
Barelli's probably been told his whole life, you're too small, you're too yeah. slow. Well, he said, you know, every year, every coach is like, well, he's, he's starting a little slow. You're going to need him. You're going to need them all. And uh, we're excited to have those two guys back there. The, the two, two of the most professional players I've ever seen. They do all the right things. They say the right things. They're unbelievable leaders. And I, I'm, I'm so glad for the younger guys that we're bringing in to have them someone to look up to like Borelli and Yuma. Didn't Borelli arrive here with Carillo almost together? Those two were they signed did. around the same time? They, they were actually signed at the exact same time. Yeah. This was when uh, FC Juarez made the jump from uh, second division to Liga MX. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, they were just not not quite there for that level at that. You know, they were both a little older. Um, but they were um, both have unbelievable moments in our league, and we're looking for a few more out of, out of Adair this year. By the way, Leandro came on the show probably about a year or two ago. One of the nicest, most so nice. genuine people I've ever talked to and just such a likable personality. And I heard he's still sticking around in the area. He is still in the area, and you may not have seen the last of him in a connection with Locomotive. We uh, we really like him as well, and, and we think there might be a fit somewhere, uh, some down, down the line, not nice. too distant, and uh, that announcement may be coming soon. I think that's fantastic. To me, he's one of those guys, if you ever wanted an ambassador for the game, especially across the border, he's your guy. And he, he's been doing that for, for FC Juarez, acting as an ambassador in, in the community and with the media. I mean, because he's still their all-time leading goal scorer. Yep. He's one, he's, he is a club legend for them and, and in some regards for us. He scored some major, major goals in his time with us. And uh, again, a delightful guy. I love to see him when uh, he comes to training a lot still just to watch and hang out. I love it. All right, more with Andrew as we continue. If you've got questions, 505-600-09. First, though, back to Adrian and this Sports Center update. Back for more in 24, Defender Yuma announced earlier today. Um, I, I've got a story you're going to share with us right now and our listeners, and this is the story of how he became Yuma. How did he get the nickname Yuma? Yeah, so this is a great story. So Yuma's real name is Javier Monsalves. He's, he's from, from Spain. And as you would imagine, he was in an academy at a young age, I think maybe 10, 11, 12. And this is, I think, 1994, 95, when Jumanji with Robin Williams came out. And it's, you know, it's a kind of a dark movie for kids at times. It is. And there's some different pieces where, or parts where, you know, the animals are chasing the kids and, and, um, I think the rhinoceros is, is, you know, it gets a little little nuts there. And so and the rhinoceros ends up smashing his head into the wall or whatever it goes. And so this movie comes out and his, his classmates or academy mates, are, they started calling him Yuma for Jumanji. But if you say it like it was Yumanji, Yuma, because he he's like the rhinoceros that would smash his head into the wall. And, and you know, 20 years later, Yuma's still Yuma. So I think it's a great story, and it personifies his nickname and his personality on the field. Um, I love that. It, and it's, it's a great story, and I, 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 more people need to know that, and uh, it, it, it fits to this day. I always wondered if it was because of something in Yuma, Arizona, because of the city. So that's why when you brought up Jumanji and how Yuma, for Yumanji, you know, Yumanji, yeah. uh, that is great. Adrian, have you seen Jumanji, yes, the original? Yes, of course. So you know exactly what we're talking about. Definitely. 100%. By the way, that is a dark movie. The very first one. Is a, it's, it's not for kids. It's not for kids. And I think it was marketed as for kids, and I'm not sure it was. I mean, my, when I think my son was 10 when he watched it, and we're like, oh, man. We were, you know, we were watching it with him because we had never seen it. We thought, oh, this is, uh, 
Yeah, he could get some nightmares from this movie. Oh, oh yeah, nightmare fuel for sure. Well, I love that because, you know what, Yuma is a nightmare for many of the opponents uh, on the pitch. So he's one of those guys, I'd like to say, Yuma reminds me of like Charles Oakley of the Knicks. Absolutely. He is one of those guys that you absolutely want on your team, not against your team. And he's kind of that that guy that, I don't want to say he's going to be the instigator, but nobody's going to mess with a team if you've got somebody like Yuma patrolling the the back. And for your younger, your younger listeners he's Draymond Green that is it you can't if he's not on your team you, you cannot stand that guy yeah you yeah. cannot stand him absolutely right um you announced the friendly with the FC Juarez uh, just a little while ago how long has that been in the works not that long uh this was kind of something there's there's uh, a new leadership uh uh in in FC Juarez new president and, and new direction and a lot of a lot of great ideas are coming out of there um and the idea that we've always wanted to do this and we've just n- never been able to get it together our schedules are so disparate that they don't really match up that well um so we just kind of had to take a chance and 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 plug this game in an international date window for them it's a little little compressed for us but we we love the idea because this is a this is a great a great opportunity for both teams across you know even though we're you know our stadiums are maybe a mile and a half apart as the crow flies. We're in, you know, we're in two different countries, um, and, you know, with the same ownership group. And uh, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad. I wish this had happened earlier, but I'm glad it's happening now. And we're going to look to make it an, an annual thing. Hopefully, um, I know that that a lot of uh, on the social media in in Juarez, there the fans were like, well, why not host it here? And maybe that maybe it's there in 2025. I think there's a lot of possibilities, and and we're really excited to to showcase this. And you know, I I, I said this to Luis earlier uh, in the week. You know, we're going to call this a friendly, but I'll be damned if we don't want to win this game because we do. Locomotive wants to win, and he he feels the same way. So I think it'll be a lot of fun, a uh, great opportunity for the players. But but the fans are the big winners in this one, no doubt. Andrew, I want to ask you a little bit more on this one sure. because you guys uh, have done so many different events ha- hosting either Bravos or Bravas players actually at uh, Locomotive FC games, and it's a nice carryover when you have fans who do go across the border and watch uh, the FC Bravos uh, play, and then they also are Locomotive FC fans. Why is this important to kind of create this kind of binational uh, relationship bet- between both clubs? I think that's a great point. I think awareness. I think there's there's people that are aware that that we exist. There's certainly people that are aware that FC that Bravos exists, but maybe not every each fan base knows that the other exists. And this will really tie that together and hammer that home. And I think that that that's you know people have been asking for this for years, and I, I'm just glad that we're to this point we're able to to give the people what they want. So that so they say. So um, I think this this has a, a lot of great implications, and and it, it continues to bring the groups together. You know, we we talk a little bit about I mentioned Benny Diaz earlier, but we you know there's a real pathway. Um, you know, Liga, Liga Mekis is the highest level in Mexico, of course, and 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 FC Juarez is looking to to make a name for themselves and grow their brand. We, you know, we we say this internally that there's not a pro soccer team till you go north to Denver, west to to you know Phoenix Rising, if, if if you consider that, or the Phoenix area with big sports teams, and then you go east, it's Dallas or San Antonio or Austin. So we've got you know nine to ten hour uh, window where where we could we, there's a lot of fans that could that could uh be bravos fans and i think the other point to mention is they're not mutually exclusive you can be a fan of both just like you can be a fan of your team in america and, and you know a lot of people have a, an english team that they like or a german team or a spanish team you know you can be a fan of both and and, and that's okay because we we compete competitively in different divisions i agree with that by the way could we uh, eventually see a, a friendly at southwest university park against an mls club I think that that's possible. I think, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities with two teams in the same, you know, 
same DMA, you could see Brav- Bravos do a, a maybe a Liga Mekis sanctioned match or a big friendly at the Sun Bowl. Or yeah. the, I mean, these are things that we, we are really starting to to think about. You know, nothing nothing's on the books ne- necessarily, but we're starting to think bigger. And how can we can we expand the footprint of both teams, which expands the footprint and the national visibility of this area in general in a positive manner, which which is always a great great thing. Biggest issue with the Sun Bowl is they don't have natural grass. Yeah, and, and you know, for the right amount. You could solve that problem. Yes, you could if you if you wanted to. Absolutely. You have, yes, yes, you could. Then again, you could also. Does the SAC, Adrian? Does the SAC have natural grass, no, or do they go to artificial turf? Turf. Okay, they used to have artificial grass. I mean, they used to have natural grass. Anyway, all right. Look, we got more to talk about with Andrew. We're going to finish the hour with him in a moment. If you've got a question, you want to get in, lots of ways to do it. Five zero five six zero zero nine. You can also hit us up on Twitter and X at six hundred ESPN El Paso or our mobile app. Three ways to get in as we continue. Sports Talk, back with Andrew Forrest, General Manager, El Paso Locomotive FC. Uh, season's right around the corner, isn't it? Yeah, season's, we're, we're about to start preseason, and then it'll be a, a quick sprint to, to March 9th. Our home opener is on, on March 9th. Um, we're playing Hartford, who's mm. brought in Colorado Springs' old coach and a, and a bunch of new players, so they're looking to be pretty good. We have Louisville at home um, in, that, in that first week, as well as Monterey Bay. So it's a March 9th uh, to March 16th. We've got three games, and then we turn around the next Wednesday and play FC Juarez. So we're going to have a busy first month, uh, but looking to grab as many points as we can in the league and, and start the season off right. I like how the friendly is already after the season starts. It's interesting, right? Yeah. But again, with the schedules, there's, there's, there's not a ton of time to do it, and especially if to do it in El Paso. We have to do it now because summer's not a possibility. Because of course the Chihuahuas are basically if we're not in the if we're not in the stadium, the Chihuahuas are in the stadium. So right. we've uh, there's just very finite amount of, amount of time to do it. So we're taking a chance. We're going to give it a shot. How are season tickets uh, pacing right now and ticket sales in general? It's looking like it's going to be the best year ever, which is always what you want to see. So you know tickets will go fast for the home opener. So I you know I advise people to to keep the, an eye out. They'll go on sale officially in a couple of weeks, but there are waiting lists to be on now for individuals as well as groups. So uh, if you, if you haven't been out and thinking about it with your family, friends, coworkers, it's it's a great experience, and uh, and and I, I highly advise it if you haven't, and if you have. You know what to expect, and uh, come on back out for another one. With the moves you've made so far this offseason, do you expect a, a different type of a team in year two for Brian versus year one? I, absolutely. I, I don't think continuity can be understated. Uh, you know, you're bringing back uh, you know a few players, core players, seven, eight, nine. Um, you know, especially Liam Cavio, Yuma Barelli. These guys know what to expect from Brian now, and they'll be able to help. The, the the players that are coming in adapt to the style. It's hard when a when a team was put together by a previous administration and then another coach inherits that and he's got to implement his style. But the players maybe were brought in for a different style. And I think he did a great job last year. And we saw we saw some uh, some really good success at, at various different points. We got into the playoffs. We 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 played well in our playoff game. And um, you know I think another year of that will you know in a lot of the same technical staff. We should be poised to take a, another step, and, and playoffs are always the goal. And, and you know, we we talk about it. We think, uh, you know, we aiming for a top four finish in the West, and we think that that's possible. Andrew, I was out at the fountains this past week, and I got a chance to check out the Mountain Star Sports Shop for the first time. Uh, I love the new shop, and I love the fact that you guys have uh, a lot of locomotive. I, I'm a big merch guy myself, so I love the Locomotive FC merch that you're able to find there, and it's just a cool way for the East Side to take advantage of buying some Mountain Star Sports uh, merch. Yeah, it's it's all part of the bigger plan to try to try to get more. Easy access, you know the the team store for a locomotive is 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 difficult to get to. There's the you know on, on the side of the 
the, the stadium that it's on, there's not any parking and you have to really seek it out. It, it does really well on game day, but, but, you know, we need to try to find a way to, to give our, our fans the opportunity to buy merch. Um, that's maybe a little more convenient for them. And, and certainly the fountains is a, is a great place to go shop and, and eat and, and have fun. Um, so we, we've seen good success there. And it's also an opportunity to introduce FC Juarez gear, which has never really been done uh, in El Paso. So the opportunity for, for FC Juarez fans, and there's way more than, than you might think um, to, to pick up some merch as well. It was originally launched as a pop-up store for the holidays. Will it become a permanent location? We're still working through that, but I think there will be an announcement there very soon. But uh, yeah, I think we're we're I think the prevailing thought is that we want to want to give this a little longer run and see how it can do. So uh, you mentioned Mark Lowry earlier in passing, your first head coach. Uh, he stepped down as head coach of Indy Eleven after taking them to a playoff this year, and uh, I've heard possibly a front office role in uh, in USL or uh, MLS. Have you heard anything like that so far with Mark? The last I, I Mark Lowry took a job with Real Salt Lake. Um, MLS organization, and I believe he took a job in the academy, but was within right. two weeks promoted to their MLS Next Pro head coach. So I think that's what he's doing. But uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's so so he would be basically be doing developmental work under Real Salt Lake. Yeah, with with fringe pros, guys that they have development uh, aspirations for. Um, you know, be a chance to be back around uh, Diego Luna, who, who's up right, there and right and, up his alley and rising quickly. He's yep. uh, Diego Luna as we maybe many people saw has gotten a full U.S. men's national team call up and the opportunity to be capped for the full men's national team in San Antonio, I believe, against Slovenia. Um, what a huge opportunity this, that is. This kid had an unbelievable year in MLS, and as a domestic player, this is his, you know, with the European-based players not coming in, this is mostly an MLS camp. This is his opportunity to really, I mean, make a make a mark with the, the Gio Reynas and the Pulisic, Pulisic of the world. Um, this is a this is monumental opportunity for this, for this young man, and uh, I'm just excited to see what he does with it. Yeah, I am too. I think that's phenomenal. And if he plays alongside Ricardo Pepe, what a I cool mean, story you, that would be for El Paso. Now that would be a heck of a story for yeah, sure. It would be. Unbelievable. All right, listen, great to see you. Absolutely. A lot that we've talked about. We'll have a lot more coming up here in the days and weeks to come. And uh, look forward to the next time we get a chance to talk a little soccer Absolutely, with you. Absolutely, Steve. As always, it's a pleasure. I appreciate it. You got it. He's Andrew Forrest, folks, General Manager of El Paso Locomotive FC. When we come back, Lane Frank will join us. Hour number two of Sports Talk right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Oh, I love it. Start of hour number two. Welcome back, everybody. Man, I haven't seen our next guest in weeks. He looks... He is glowing. Adrian, let's be honest. He is glowing. He's got his cheeks are nice and red. He looks like he is refreshed. He just has a certain bounce to him. There's something different about Lane Frank today. He's a national champion. Oh, is that what it is? That's what it is, Steve. Ah, that's what it is. He talked about this team all throughout the summer, throughout the fall. He did. And he told us that they were as promised and as yeah. they delivered a national title winning team. Listen, I thought it was just blowing smoke because he's such a diehard and I figured he was full of it. So the fact that this actually happened and they won the title and he was able to witness the natty in person and actually get the final score about as close as it gets because he hit he hit the 34 on the nose for Michigan and he only missed Washington by three points. Although I got a feeling that 
Um, he probably thought it was going to be a route from the outset and not be nearly as close a game as it turned into in the fourth until Michigan finally pulled away. But that's pretty good, Adrian, when you're picking like that. I mean, I couldn't do that. No, I couldn't either, and it was just so such an interesting game, right, because at one point it felt like Michigan had it all under control, all under wraps, and then, uh, you know, Washington starts to come back a little bit in the game, and then Michigan distanced themselves when it was all said and done to take the national championship, yep. take the final one uh, and final victory of Jim Harbaugh in college football, so I loved it. I, I loved it for a lot of different reasons. Well, listen, he's here. He's wearing merch. He's already purchased his Michigan championship. Um, it looks like a pullover. It looks it's not, it's a zipper. Uh, it's just a beautiful looking. And for the weather quarter in El Paso, zip, yeah. it's quarter zip. I wonder how he how fast it took him to get that. Do you think Do you think they sold that as soon as Michigan won the game, or do you think he was on the field and Michigan presented that to him along with the team? What do you think the story is behind that? They should present one to him. He I, he should take one. He should get a ring too. We yes. should we should get uh, Lane a ring here. Oh, for you know, this you, national well, championship. He's, he's probably going to get a ring. I wouldn't be surprised if the president of Michigan gives him a ring, especially since they're on close terms and know each other so well. Welcome back to the program. Happy New Year and congratulations. Great to be back, guys. Love that intro. Definitely got some things to go over with you that you brought up. I do. I mean, it's the case. Now, let's let's start with the most recent thing we brought up, the beautiful Michigan championship quarter zip. When did you pick this up? Uh, I actually bought it at the stadium. It's not Michigan. It's just college ball playoff. Doesn't have Michigan on there? No, nothing on Michigan. Just neutral national championship hoodie. Oh, okay. So playoff. there's no. So that does not say Michigan champions or anything like that. So I, I bought it at a merch store pregame. <clears throat> nice. It looks. It's solid. It's a great hoodie. Okay. Now listen, you've had a great life so far. You've had 152 schoolyard sports. You had, from what I understand, a pretty epic uh, bar mitzvah years ago when you turned 13. Um, you've had some big, big tennis wins. You had a big deck of victory, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, all that being said, where do you put Monday night? Amongst all the different things you've attended in your uh, in, in your fifteen plus years, the same thing I texted you and Adrian that night. The best moment of my life, not my sports life, my life. Great moment right there. Just elite happiness, perfect happiness. So when I did my episode this week. My question day was, what would you do to give up? What would you give up for your team to win a national championship? It's Ooh, the best a, feeling in the world. That's a good question. It's a great What would feeling. you give up? It's the best feeling. For your favorite team to win. Now, is it, is it a national championship or just a championship? Just a, champion, a national championship or so NBA Finals win, World anything, Series win. just a title. A Premier League Series win, whatever it is. All right. By the way, just out of curiosity, okay, this win that you had on Monday, the greatest moment of your life, what did it replace? Like, what was the previous greatest moment of your life prior to Monday's victory? Really have no idea. I think I was always just dreaming of a Michigan national championship. Okay, so it wasn't like you had anything else that happened, and you're like, man, this is the greatest moment of my life, but it's been replaced by Michigan's by Michigan's natty. Yeah, that Michigan natty, amazing. Okay. He manifested the greatest day of his life. You know That's, what I'm saying? I did yes, he did. he did. Did you eat that day? Because you um, never you never eat, eat when you're nervous. You usually so, just go a whole day without food. So we actually had like flight troubles because there were terrible weather here, terrible weather in Houston. So I think I had a little food before the flight, and then yeah, we were good from there. So wait, you flew in the day of? Yep. Day of the game. Yeah, the weather was terrible. Yeah. In fact, terrible. John Harbaugh didn't show up until like the second quarter because of the flight issues they were yeah, having. Yeah, I saw that. Dave Portnoy had tro- uh, flight issues. 
bunch of flight issues to everybody. Have you met Portnoy since he's a big Michigan fan? Never met Portnoy. Would like to, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, none, nonetheless, you uh, get a chance to celebrate. That is terrific. Um, at, since Monday, have you just been on cloud nine? Has it been like a whole week of this just uh, jubilation for you? It's been pretty amazing. I'm a little bit upset that the news really isn't talking about the national championship victory anymore. It's more about Nick Saban, Kalen DeBoer, that stuff. I think it would have been okay. better if they were talking about Michigan more than that. But I get it. Goat Nick Saban. Now, you should be happy that Nick Saban waited until after the natty to announce his retirement. He could have he could have announced it that day, and it would have taken away from that entire game. So True. the fact that it happened afterwards, that was, that was actually a, a pretty nice thing because he didn't want to take anything away from the championship game. He wants the attention. Yes, he does. Well, he got it. Yeah. Uh, reaction to Kalen DeBoer. Did they make the right call? Uh, no, they did not make the right call. What? Who would have been the right call to be the next head coach of Alabama? I'll tell you this right here. I don't know who would have been the right call. I think they were put in a horrible situation. They kind of made, I'll say, a rash hire and Kalen DeBoer because they wanted Steve Sarkeesian. They wanted Dan Lanning. Maybe they wanted Kirby Smart, but they're not going to get Kirby Smart. They wanted Mike Norvell. They wanted all these guys. They weren't going to go there. I'll say this right here. Jimmy Sexton, he's the agent for Nick Saban, Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Norvell, and Kalen DeBoer. So what he does... Nick Saban retires, he gets all his other clients raises by saying, you know, this client, say Mike Norvell, Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, he's going to go to Alabama if you don't give him a raise. So they gave all his coaches raises. In the past three days, Norvell, Sarkeesian, and Lanning all got raises. And then for DeBoer, he's going over to Alabama. So Stexton's the biggest winner when it comes out of this whole thing. He got every, he got all of his clients' big raises, and one of them is now the head coach at Alabama. He is. And uh, Kalen DeBoer, let me say this right here, he's a winner everywhere he's been, from Division Three to Fresno State to now at Washington. But you think about it, are these guys really Kalen DeBoer players? And it's easier to win the Pac-12 because every game they had this year was super close, even the Texas game. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do that in the SEC, in my opinion. You're not going to just have a random game where you can win the game by one possession like they did every game pretty much this season. For Kalen DeBoer, most of these guys in the team, Romo Dunes, Michael Panks Jr., he did not recruit those guys. Maybe from the transfer portal, Michael Panks Jr., but for Romo Dunes, for some of these receivers, for the defense, Kalen DeBoer wasn't a part of that, in my opinion. Right, but... Let's put it this his way. Guys. But let's put it this way. Nobody's going to replace Nick Saban. Fair? I don't care who you call. I don't care who it is. Could have been Sark. Could have been anybody. There will be nobody that's Nick Saban. What he's done at Alabama, that is simply a league of his own. So I don't care who replaces him. It's You're setting yourself up for disappointment because the bar has been set higher than any other school and any other job in the history of this sport. Nobody wants to be the guy right. after the guy. And for Kalen DeBoer, I think he sensed that maybe this Washington team wasn't going to be good next year going into Big Ten play. So he said, let me get my 15 minutes fame. Let me shine when my light's the brightest and go over to Alabama. Lane, who are your favorite NFL prospects from the college football playoff national championship? Because there were a lot. You talked about Odunze. You talked about Penix on Washington's side. You know, Michigan's got a lot of guys, too. And I was watching their defense. I was just really blown away from some of the you know notable guys they had. You know, most of the guys in the Michigan defense, most of them are returning. Will Johnson, true sophomore. Kenneth Grant, true sophomore. Mason Graham, true sophomore. Maybe someone like Mike Sanders, though, who had a great few years in college football. First two years as a receiver, last year as a defensive back. He was elite his whole college football career. I'll say that right there for Mike Sanders, still. Maybe look at a team like Texas. They have A.D. Mitchell, a great wide receiver. Was on two years at Georgia, one year at Texas. Maybe a few other guys, Steve Andre Sweat, defense tackle for Texas. Let's look at Alabama. They Alabama all across the field, Dallas Turner, Quid McKinstry, a few other guys. And then for Washington, obviously Michael Panks Jr. and Romo Dunes. And for Michigan? For Michigan, 
J.J. McCarthy, right. Blake Corum, every wide receiver, every tight end, that whole offensive line, Mike Sanders still, really anybody on this Michigan team you can put in the NFL because they are playing in an NFL-like system. Where do you put J.J. McCarthy among the top prospects in the draft at quarterback? And, of course, we're talking about Caleb Williams, Drake May, Penix as well, where McCarthy, many people think, is going to be a first-rounder. But do you believe his stock just jumped up in a big way after the performance he had against Washington? I don't know how you can't put J.J. McCarthy above guys like Drake May, above guys like Michael Penix. If you sit to me right now, Michael Penix Jr., is going to be better than NFL J.J. McCarthy? That's a ridiculous statement. Can I explain right here? Please. Of course. Can okay. you explain? Do you, listen, you, this is the, the whole idea is we want you to explain. Right. You know, you know, you know, very nice of you to ask. You're polite. Let's I go. like that. This is about you. to be a big thing right here. All right, let me hear. Michael Pegg Jr., lefty quarterback. Lefty quarterbacks in the NFL don't translate well. We all know that. One thing right there. Michael Pegg Jr. has the best offensive line in the country. J.J. McCarthy does not have the best offensive line in the country. Washington arguably is the best receiving core in the country. J.J. McCarthy doesn't. Washington, very good running back, Dylan Johnson. How many points did they put in that national championship, Steve? What, uh, 13? 13. Yeah. Michigan put up 34 they with J.J. McCarthy, who played inconsistent, you could call it, but he played NFL-style light game. He's not going to lose the game for you, Michael Pags Jr. What are you doing? You're down by seven points in the first play of the second half. You're throwing an interception. For a guy like Drake May over at North Carolina, he can win a game for you, but he can also lose a game for you. The only surefire number one quarterback in this draft is Caleb Williams. So after Caleb Williams, you feel it's a crapshoot and anything can happen at, under after a quarterback? I don't feel it's a crapshoot. I just feel like J.J. might be the most talented and most ready. Do you think J.J. will be the second quarterback taken, or do you think that he'll probably be the uh, you know the fourth or fifth? I think there's a possibility J.J. McCarthy comes back to Michigan. Really? Yeah, really. Wow. From the people that I'm hearing, from the things I'm hearing, very high chance J.J. McCarthy returns. What, now, is that because of the quarterback class the way it is? combined with the fact that he knows he's got a great team and he can run it back and try to win another one. I don't think it has anything to do with that. Maybe some of it you could say by being very talented draft class. Maybe he could be falling to the third round this draft class or he could be rising to the top 10. Say he comes back next year. Great Michigan team. I think he loves Michigan so much. He would come back, play on that elite schedule where they play Texas, Washington, Oregon, Ohio State, all these great teams. USC, they make him boost his draft stock more in a weak quarterback draft class. Not going to be great running backs from Michigan next year. You can't call him a handoff merchant or anything anymore. Yeah, I think that's what J.J. McCarthy wants. I'm trying to think who will be the best quarterback in next year's class. Quinn Ewers? I think Quinn Ewers, Shadur Sanders. Beck. Shadur Sanders you could put up there. Yeah. Drew Mention, Aller from Penn State. You mentioned Beck. Yeah, Beck. You throw him in the mix. Yeah. I think Milrow, a guy who could definitely get a few looks at. I do, too. I like the way Milrow Playing played. in the Kalen DeBoer system. That is that is correct. Um that's another question I have for you. So you think about all the stuff that's shaking out uh, as far as college football with Michigan winning the national championship. Jim Harbaugh, what happens with him? What do you think is the next play there? Right now I think the best move for Harbaugh, in my opinion, would be to go to Los Angeles Chargers. But if they don't hire Harbaugh, which I don't think any moves are going to be made until after the divisional round, if they don't hire Harbaugh, I don't see Harbaugh ever going to the NFL. I think it's Chargers or bust because he loves Justin Herbert and he loves Chargers, LA, whatever it might be. I think Vegas Raiders could be an option for him. Maybe he drafts J.J. McCarthy to be his quarterback there. But if he doesn't go to the NFL this year, which is his window, he's never going to go. Don't you also think, though, that if you're the Raiders, and I've been arguing this with Adrian now for uh, for over a week because he's been talking Harbaugh to the Raiders uh, since we, we started this. Don't you feel like Antonio Pierce did more than enough 
to solidify his name as the permanent head coach of the Vegas Raiders. I really think he did, and I think if they bring in somebody like Harbaugh, Devonta Adams could request a trade. Yep. Max Crosby could request a trade. Max Crosby tweeted today, we want Antonio Pierce, we want AP as our head coach. Well, I think that's a smart play. I really do. They played well with him. Players love him. He is a player's coach, and he in his audition, I thought he knocked it out of the park with that I did team. too. So, but Five Chargers, Harbaugh, I could see. If Harbaugh leaves for the NFL again, who's the new Michigan coach? New Michigan coach, I want to be Jesse Minner, defense coordinator, who could take a defense coordinator job in the NFL this year. He was elite in college football this year. What a great year he had coaching up that Michigan defense. But I think they'll give it to Sharon Moore, coach the three games without Jim Harbaugh, who's a good enough offense coordinator. I think a lot of people want to be head coach. I'm hearing from a lot of people that inside Michigan that Sharon Moore has everyone's vote to be head coach except Ward Manuel, athletic director right now. Why? Who does he want? I don't know who Ward Manuel wants. Maybe he wants to hire someone from the outside, which I think will be a mistake with the team we have right now. If it was my call, I'd say Jesse Minner. I love Sharon Moore, though. I'd be happy with either of them. Interesting that you would go defensive mind for a head coach at Michigan over offense. I think Minter is definitely more valuable than Sharon Moore. And there were times this season where you said, what is Sharon Moore doing with these play calls? But for Jesse Minner, it's always, he's got this defense on lock. I think if you make Jesse Minner the head coach, Sharon Moore might stay for another year or two. But if you make Sharon Moore the head coach, Jesse Minner's not going to be there. All right. Great start to this segment with Lane Frank. By the way, episode 152 dropped this week. It's a great episode. Tell me about the episode before we go to break. I'm going to call it the National Championship Special. We got a bunch of segments. Why Michigan is better than 2019 LSU. Why Harbaugh should go to the NFL now. Why this win is monumental for college football. All that. Go tune in. Go watch all podcast platforms. And then Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Did the president of Michigan call, uh, you know, text you and uh, give you a congratulatory uh, note after the uh, after the win? I actually met him at the game, ran into him, and he texted me after. Great time meeting you. Really? Really. The president of Michigan. President of Michigan. You met him before the game. During and the halftime, halftime. Halftime, and he sent you a text saying it was great to meet you. And he was talking to me about the head coaching stuff going on. He's like, oh, this is crazy. I think three of the best coaches are leaving right now. He's Eight. recruiting right there, Steve. Yes, he's he recruiting, actually. How does it feel knowing that the president of Michigan is actively recruiting you to attend the school? Man, it was amazing. He texted me right after. He said, hope you'll be joining us at the University of Michigan. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. And then your response, that would be my dream. Love it. That is terrific. What a what a start to our segment with Lane Frank, the host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast. When we come back, his thoughts on Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll do that right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us. This is getting popular during our last segment. Let me read some of these. Eric, the number four Nier, gets into the show. Congratulations booking Mel Kuyper Jr. That's a funny one right there. It's a compliment to you. Mel Kuyper Jr.? Yeah. I think Mel Kuyper has some bad picks, but no, I'll take throwing, That's because you're throwing out all the analysis like on it, all like the uh, quarterback prospects and all that. So that's Eric More Fournier. More Todd McShay. Yeah, there you go. Todd McShay, yeah. You got Mel's hair. Oh, McShay at ESPN still? I don't think so. No, no. he's a free agent right yeah, now. Free yeah, free agent McShay. That's why he was fired by ESPN. Yeah, he was fired by ESPN. They got Field Yates. We're going to Mel Kuyper now. They are. Um, Esteban, Steve, maybe JJ stays at Michigan because he wants his degree. Why didn't that uh, cross your mind? I said he loves Michigan. He probably already has his degree. He probably does. They do summer semesters. They do all that. Yeah. Plus, how many years has he been in school? 
He's all a junior. together. He's a junior. So, but is he like a legit? Is he he's three? A is he a three-year junior? He's a legit so. true junior. All right. So, yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, do you think? Uh, let me ask you this. But, think, but do you think how much? How much? Early. How much do you think college athletes uh, value their degrees? Especially now, when you're in Michigan, I think that'd probably be a big deal, right? I think most of these guys probably graduate. I'd say pretty quickly because they're doing the summer semester. Maybe they enroll early. So I'd say that right there. Let me look up if he graduated. I think he did. Esteban, I will. Uh, I will give you that. I mean, that's the, the degree thing should be mentioned. I feel like sometimes I, um, I, I just discount the degree altogether, and that's not right. Adrian, uh, you know, part of the package when you go to Michigan is uh, a degree and an education. That's a big deal. Yeah, and I get it. Today's college sports, most notably men's basketball and college football are filled with NIL, so we often forget they're student-athletes. Uh, I get it. The amateurism and almost the professionalism has really taken over in college football and college basketball, but still, you know, I, I agree with what Esteban says here and what he's kind of alluding to. I mean, these players, especially if they're at a school like Michigan, should take pride in having a degree from that university. Really should. All right, so uh, good stuff. Appreciate that. If anybody else wants to get in, uh, 600 ESPN El Paso. As we continue right now with uh, Lane Frank, the host of the Schoolyard Sports uh, Podcast, episode 152 dropped. It is the National Championship Edition. I understand you've got a helmet uh, that you uh, put out on uh, on, on, uh, IG. Tell me about the helmet. you got a big smile on your face. Let me hear about the helmet. Yeah, I've had the helmet for a while. I use it for all my Michigan predictions. Always just slam it on the table after I pick Michigan. Good, good, so it's a good luck helmet. A little bit of of headgear, I'd say. Is it it a gamer? Not a gamer. Not a gamer. I wouldn't slam it if it was a gamer. You wouldn't? I mean, you got to watch the National Championship prediction. I just slam it on the table. Really? And I kept it on the table for the celebratory episode. It got the balloons in the back. And yeah, no, the balloons I heard the balloons were a big deal. That's, that's you you really went you went all out. Went all out. Amazing episode. Go tune in. Getting a lot of traction on it, especially for that LSU take. Was it your favorite episode of all time? Since uh this was the highlight of your life, uh would you say then that episode one fifty two was the greatest episode ever? There's a lot of great episodes up there. I think this might just top them all. Okay. Fair enough. Now, we have NFL predictions to get to. Let's talk about that. Before we get to that, um, Bill Belichick stepping down. Uh, that was probably happened after 152 uh, you know, was produced. And Saban. So, right? Um, yep, and Saban. Not to mention also uh, Pete Carroll. I don't know if that got into yeah, that. Uh, I didn't get in let, there. Let's, let's talk about those two. Let's talk about Carroll out at Seattle and, of course, Belichick stepping down uh, or just being uh, not stepping down, but basically a mutual parting of the ways with uh, Kraft and uh, Belichick. I'll start right here for Carroll. I, wasn't, I was a little bit surprised, in my opinion, that he didn't get a look from Alabama for how great of a college football coach he was at USC for him to break the rules a little bit, do NIL before NIL was a thing, I think he would thrive in today's college football, Pete Carroll, but he didn't get a look from a college team. I think he'll probably go back to another NFL team very soon. May take on a little bit of an advisor role for the Seahawks this year, but I was kind of surprised to see Pete Carroll didn't get a look from Bama. I mean, he's 72 years old. I mean, does, I know he's a young 72. background's old, too. Let, let's be honest. Pete Carroll looks like he's about 55 years old. That dude has always been young. He's always been energetic. He never seems run down or tired. He always looks good. So I know that. But you thought that Pete Carroll should have at least gotten a look by Alabama. At least a look. He's a great college football coach. But remember, he left USC at the perfect time because that's when uh, basically everything went down the toilet with that program. Because he was doing NIL before NIL. Exactly. So what you're saying is now he would be the perfect candidate because, yes, he was kind of the – he paved the way for NIL. I do think so. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Adrian, I never thought about Pete Carroll that way. Have you? No, but that's uh, really – I mean, hey, give Reggie Bush's Heisman back, right? I'm I'm yeah. all on that train. That's ridiculous that Reggie Bush doesn't have his Heisman yet. All right. 
Belichick. Let's talk about that. We all knew it was coming. Uh, now the question is going to be, since we just found out that um, it, it's going to be uh, Gerard Mayo uh, taking his place and doing it, which a move I like, where do you think Belichick goes? Maybe he takes a year off, but I don't think that right there. Let's think, let's think bigger right here. I think Belichick maybe goes to Atlanta. He's not going to go to Washington Commanders. Why? Because they don't need him. New ownership, new coach. stadium. They want a young coach. You think so? You they don't definitely think, you don't need, think they need a young go. coach. Arthur best, Smith. Arthur Smith would love. Actually, Arthur, okay, so, Arthur Arthur Blank would love him. Yeah. So the best move right here for Washington, in my opinion, would be. I mean, can I get off Belichick for a second? Sure. I'm about the Commanders. Caleb Williams is from the DMV area. You want that number one pick. You want Caleb Williams. Bears aren't going to draft Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams isn't going to go there. You have the most valuable thing outside number one pick. Number two overall pick. Do the Panthers trade. Do whatever they did last year. Get that number one pick. Do a little trade down. Trade up. I'll say right here with the Bears. Get the number one pick. Draft the hometown guy. Kill Williams, that works. So I think they want a new coach, not Belichick. Little thing right here to look out for on Belichick. If Nick Sirianni and Eagles don't win this playoff game, watch for Bill Belichick in Philadelphia. Wow. I mean, I could see that too. I, I really could because that fits that fits his need. A, a team that's, that instantly is a winner. Fits Jeffrey could, Lurie's need. He could, yeah, he, could, he could go right in there and, and plug and win. Okay, next question. If the Cowboys lose that's to the Packers, could we see Belichick in Dallas? Oh, for sure. Jerry Jones, that's probably his dream. He's probably just waiting for them to lose now. <laughs> Could be the case. You never know. Good stuff. Oh, that's hilarious. And it's true. I'm with you on that one. Um, who do you think the coach is going to be in Washington? Coach in Washington, I think they're going to go for Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator and for the Lions. They need a young head coach. They need an offensive head coach. They're going to figure out their quarterback position soon. Yeah. Now, you said trade up um, with, with the Bears. I mean, if Chicago's not taking Caleb Williams, number one, but they're going to trade with somebody else. You think you you don't think they're going to uh, keep the pick? I don't think they're going to keep the pick. So that's why Washington needs to grab onto that opportunity because they're just going to trade with somebody else. Lane, let's talk about Justin Fields for a second because despite closing out the season positively, why wouldn't you get a quarterback here at this? And I want you to defend your your case here because I, the way I look at it is get a quarterback here at number one if you're the Bears. Get Caleb Williams because on uh, on contract-wise, you can have Justin Fields still on your roster. You could trade him eventually, but then you don't have to be put in a position where you have to pay break the bank and then pay him. You can kind of reset yourself offensively you can spend money on skill position players and then you could go with a Caleb Williams even if he's not as good as Justin Fields right out of the gate so the thing with Justin Fields is he's decent he's good he's serviceable in the NFL but do you want serviceable or do you want Peyton Manning Tom Brady elite in a Drake May JJ McCarthy or Caleb Williams how do we know that they're going to be elite I mean remember this going to be elite okay listen everybody said that about Trevor Lawrence Everybody said, next star in the NFL, can't miss, easiest pick ever. Jacksonville made the no-brainer choice. And now you look at you look at Trevor Lawrence and you're like, huh, maybe he's not as good as everybody predicted. Okay, but if you watch Trevor at Clemson, you could see he's kind of being blanketed a little bit right there. He's got the great receivers, he's got the good system, and then some of the big games he was losing outside of his freshman year because that Clemson team was one of the best teams of all time. Then he loses the big game to LSU, loses the big game to Ohio State the next year. I think if you saw that game, I wouldn't have picked Trevor Lawrence to be the next Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, whatever it might have been. But I still would have picked number one. For Caleb Williams, it's different. This guy's generational. Everybody picked uh, Trevor Lawrence as a no-brainer. Everybody. I, I didn't hear one person who said Trevor Lawrence could tank in Jacksonville. Everybody said that is the safest quarterback who pick says tanking? In, in a generation. 
Who well, says I mean, he's, he's just not. He's, he's just not elite. Just, he's just not what everybody expected him to be right now. That's all. He's not there yet. And that's why I said I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to reach that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady level that we expected him to. He might reach that decent or great quarterback level we could see, like a Kirk Cousins or somebody like that, a Pro Bowler, not you, a Hall of Famer. Is Caleb Williams the next Peyton Manning in your mind? Not play style, but maybe accolades wise. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mahomes? Maybe he's like a Mahomes? I think so. I mean, Caleb Williams is a guy who can upgrade 18 NFL teams right now. Yeah. So why wouldn't you take him if you're Chicago? Number one, it's staring you right. When are you ever going to get the number one pick again? That's that, a great point. That's my argument right there, because if you want serviceable in Justin Fields, or do you want elite in Caleb Williams? You see what C.J. Stroud as a rookie is doing with a decent Texans team. You have a good team in Chicago, and this quarterback can't get it done. Draft a guy like Caleb Williams, or Drake May, whoever you like more. Maybe they draft Caleb Williams and they trade away Justin Fields this offseason. That'd be a bit crazy right there, but that'd be pretty good value, I feel like. All right. Or you want to get Justin Fields, Marvin Harrison Jr. That'd be a, that'd be a big uh, you know big call, too. You never know. Bottom of the hour as we continue. More with Lane. But first, let's go to Adrian. He's standing by with this Sports Center update. Uh, Lane Frank, uh, episode 152. Did it drop last night? Drop last night. All right. And a lot going on. You got balloons. You got uh, celebration. Do we talk about anything other than Michigan, or is it a show just, uh, you know, completely devoted to Michigan? No, we talked about other things. Talked a little baseball, talked a little basketball, NFL playoffs, of course, my predictions. But, uh, yeah, Michigan football, the center of the episode. You ready to take a phone call? Let's take a phone call. All right. Uh, here is Gator Richard, who uh, has the real reason, he said, why uh, Nick Saban left Alabama. You, I'm, hearing you, a, I'm hearing a lot of theories about this. I want to hear his theory. Well, let's hear his theory because he's next up on the show. Uh, what's going on, Gator Richard? Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. Go Gators. Go Gators. There you go. Go Gators. What's hey, your? Uh, let me hear the theory. I got, I, I got a trivia question for you first. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Hey, all right. So, you know how they have an MVP every every bowl game? Was there ever a time that a losing team, the guy won the MVP? Oh, yeah. It happened here in the Sun Bowl. We've had MVPs on losing teams. Absolutely, that's happened. Yes. Steve Spurrier won at 1966 Sugar Bowl. I knew you were throwing that reference out there for obvious reasons. Uh, Spurrier yeah, and the Gators. Gators. There you go. All right, uh, let me hear Let me hear your uh, conspiracy theory on Nick Saban, why he really left Alabama. All right, so uh, l- l- let, me, uh, let me build up the, the drama here. Do you remember a guy named Lou Holtz? Never heard of him. Okay. Well, he was a coach once upon a time. Okay. Seriously, you know Lou Holtz, right? Okay, you remember when he coached at, at South Carolina, yes. SEC? Yes. And and his team got in a, a big, like, brawl at the end of the game. And they were bowl eligible, but because of that brawl and the embarrassment to the school, Lou Holtz said what? We are not going to participate in a bowl game this year. Okay. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Now, how does that have to go with uh, Nick Saban? Let me hear. Okay. So, we're talking integrity. That Lou Holtz integrity issue, that's like the pinnacle. Then we go to, like, SEC. This is, I'm setting this up again. SEC uh, Media Day preseason. You remember what Saban said? They got, like, Jimbo... Dumbo Fisher all riled up. Yeah, I remember. I remember the little controversy they said about players and recruiting. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, Texas A&M has the best team money can buy. 
you know, something to do with NIL and uh, yes, and the uh, transport portal, transfer portal. I like okay. the trans. I like the transport portal better. But go ahead with the transfer. Yeah. Portal. Yes, I do. Go ahead. What happened? Okay. So how does this all connect with Saban stepping down? Get to the point, please. Okay. So because Saban opened his mouth about it, everybody raised so much hell that like. He had to clarify a couple days, couple three days later. Basically, apologize without you know really apologizing. You know, like sorry you heard me say that instead of sorry I said that. Okay, so watch this. After after this game, I'll I'll bet you here's Saban going through with a stopwatch and watching all these uh, drugged out. Michigan players all hopped up on speed or liquid meth, okay, like flying around the field. When most people are getting smoked by the fourth quarter, these guys are getting faster and stronger, okay. You got the guy trying to run a run the ball into the end zone to, to tie the game, running right behind the fullback for the touchdown to you know tie up the score, but yet. Some 180-pound guy is pushing some 350-pound lineman back into the running back to, like, you know, knock him off balance, you know, to be down at the one. Yeah, game over. Uh, you know, Adrian's holding. Up. Adrian is holding his head right now. I mean, this is. I this blame is, myself. Actually, your, I blame myself. This is your. On. This is your fault. Yes, this, this is really. My this, fault. this really yes. is your fault. I'm I, mean, I can't so, believe this. So yeah. here, so here we are with Nick Saban looking this is at on it me, guys. Like, yeah, and you're 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 costing me a whole segment. Can you please just can you please wrap <laughs> knew, this up? Wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Wrap it up. So I'm I'm telling you, Saban, rather than start the controversy of hey, why don't you drug test all these Michigan players that can't even formulate a complete sentence when they're out there like celebrate? Oh yeah, uh, coach, uh, go blue. You know, they, I mean it's embarrassing, man. And these guys go to a supposedly a decent school, and they can't even formulate a decent sentence, a, a, a structured sentence. So that's why this whole thing, this whole thing is that he would rather yeah. retire than worry about drug testing the entire Michigan football team. Well, I'm telling you, yeah. he doesn't want to go out in, in a cloud, like, pointing the finger like he did with Jimbo and then have to, like, backtrack it. Got it. All right. Uh, reaction to that. Uh, let me hear your thoughts on uh, on Gator Richards' I, I conspiracy theory. I don't get his theory. Why did Saban retire? He's claiming that Michigan is all is all drugged up on speed or something else they're and that's taking. Why he retired. And rather than trying to accuse them and getting messy and and just really being sticky, he's just trying to just bow out gracefully and not have to deal with that. Now I thought it was going to be a normal. I mean, I've seen some theories when like Saban's retiring. I thought it was going to be one of those. Not a. Not an insane conspiracy theory like that. Do you think that's the most insane thing you've heard so far? Oh yeah, on this show for sure. We need to have you need to have lunch yeah. with us and Gator Rich, and you'll hear a lot more of that. He's full you've of lunch with him. Oh yeah, he's had he owes it. We he owes us a lunch. Right, I need to see that. Yeah. Hey, by the way, when are we going back to lunch again? Whenever you're ready, baby. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's good. Whenever I'm ready, baby. Uh, we've got about 20 minutes left to go in the hour. When we come back, we'll get uh, Lane's thoughts on uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. That's coming up right here. Sports Talk at 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk. We've got about six, seven minutes left to go with Lane. Let's get right to it. We're going to talk to the host of Schoolyard Sports. Uh, the podcast, episode 152, has dropped. 
from the aforementioned River Oaks Properties Schoolyard Sports Studios. In fact, your appearances uh, made here uh, thanks to uh, River Oaks. River Oaks Properties, they've uh, developed uh, shopping centers throughout the city of El Paso. They've got them all over town. Some of the nicest shopping centers you will find anywhere in El Paso. River Oaks Properties. I'll have to go check it out. You do need to. You need to. And man, next time you next time you see the owner of River Oaks, tell him hi for me, okay? All right. And tell him thank you. All, All right. right. Appreciate that. Let's get right back to it as we continue. We'll start with the uh, Saturday games uh, tomorrow. All right. These are the two games. 2.30, Browns-Texans uh, from NRG Stadium in Houston. Cleveland, one-and-a-half-point favorites. This game is a piece of cake last time for Cleveland. I don't think it goes that way this time. C.S. Stroud didn't play that time. Let's go with the Texans over the Browns. Will it be close? It'll be very close. Maybe the best game of the week. I like the Texans, though. I think it's going to be a very good game, too. I like that also. I don't really know who I want to win because I love the Texans and I love the Joe Flacco story. It's going to be negative three degrees before the wind chill tomorrow when Kansas City hosts Miami. The Chiefs, four-and-a-half-point favorites. The Dolphins. It'll be the coldest day ever for Tua. How is that going to impact Miami? You know, everyone's saying, oh, this is so much better for the Chiefs. Slow your roll for a second. Dolphins may have a better defense than the Chiefs. When you look at it, Dolphins have a better running game with Mostert and A-Chain. Get some jet sweeps to Tyree Kill. Keep the ball out of Tua's hands. Maybe you win this game. So I'm going to go with the... I can't do it, though. I got to go with the Chiefs. I think they're looking over the Dolphins a little bit right here. I'm still going to go with the Chiefs. It's his ballpark, Arrowhead Stadium. We got it. Do you know how much it's going to hurt trying to make a tackle at negative 20 degrees? Do you have it's any gonna idea you know what that's going to feel like? To get tackled. Yes. This is going to be the most one of the most miserable games in the history of the NFL. Another one, Bills game. That's going to be even more miserable. Well, let's talk about that. It's going to be snow, 21 degrees, and snow in Orchard Park on Sunday morning at 11 when the Steelers come to town. Buffalo, nine and a half point favorites. Let's go to Buffalo. No TJ Watt. I think Mason Roth has done a nice job, but let's go to Buffalo. In your opinion... Mike Tomlin, coach of the year for that job he did, getting him into the playoffs with 10 wins? No, nah, I don't think so. But Kevin Stefanski could be head coach of the year. I think that's probably the best option. All right. Cowboys-Packers, 230. AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Latest line is Dallas minus 7. Packers have always done well when Aaron Rodgers came to town. Cowboys have won every game during the regular season out there at AT&T. What do you think happens this time around? I love the Packers show, and even though I am into the idea of Bill Belichick going to Dallas if they lose this game, but they're going to win this one. Mike McCarthy got the guys rolling. Dallas over the Packers. Close, close, close. Close, close games. You th- could it go down to could it be anybody's game in the fourth quarter? Let's go Aubrey, game-winning field goal. Ooh, three-point game. I like it. All right, Lions-Rams. There's your Sunday night game. Six o'clock on NBC from Ford Field in Detroit. Lions, three-point favorites over the Rams. Adrian's team. Another amazing game right here. Matthew Stafford, experienced now in the playoff, which is crazy to think about that. He's an experienced quarterback in the playoffs. For the Lions, they're hosting a playoff game, 12-5. and What a great year they've had. For the Rams to come back after a horrible start they had. I'm going to go with the Rams right here. I think the Lions definitely have a chance in this one. It's going to be really close, but I think Matthew Stafford crushes Detroit's dreams of a playoff chance. And that's tough right there because he was their hero for so long, and now he's not. Adrian just gave you a standing ovation. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go, Rams. Last game, Monday. In fact, we'll have this game for you, so we're going to have a short show on Monday because we've got Philly and Tampa. This will be the sixth and final game of Super Wild Card Weekend. Eagles look awful. The Giants just destroyed them the last week of the season, and yet Philly three-point favorites uh, over Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. On my show, 
I picked Philly on here. I'm not going to pick Philly. So much is going on with that team right now, from the Nick Sirianni reports to Jalen Hurts not practicing or throwing a football a week to A.J. Brown deleting every Eagles thing off his social media and not showing up for practice today. Everything going on with that team is not good. They're my reasoning, My reasoning for picking the Eagles on my show was that, you know, they've played in cold weather past few weeks. They're going down to Tampa now, get some different climate, switch something up. But no, I'm going to go Tampa on this one. If you had to do it over again, you would obviously edit that out and throw Tampa. I would. Okay. Are the Eagles, this could be one of the worst collapses ever. It's going to be one of the worst collapses ever. It's going to happen. And they're going to hire Bill Belichick. So maybe it works out in the end. You see what Terod Taylor did to them on that last week of the season? Diabolical. Ridiculous. Destroyed them. They did destroy them. That's exactly right. All right, listen. This is a terrific segment. Loved it. Having you in for the hour. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Great to see you. We've got some exciting announcements regarding a future show that you will be hosting for us here coming up in about the next month. We'll yep. make that announcement official here soon. But looking forward to uh, next week when you get to come back and talk to us again. Excited for it. Great talking to you guys. You got it. He's Lane Frank, folks. We've got Hour 3 next. A little Foss. Steve Foster will join us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, here we go. Final hour. The Foss, a little more than 15 minutes away. Steve Foster, host of Laying Down the Law with Chris Fernandez. They'll be with us in uh, Vegas. The road to Las Vegas in Radio Row. Excited about that. Excited about our... Our shows, our sponsors that will be jumping on board, all the great announcements we're going to have in the days and weeks to come. And, uh, of course, the opportunity um, to deliver four days of jam-packed shows from Radio Row. Going to be a lot of fun, and uh, can't wait. Can't wait to get out there. If you had a dream scenario, Steve, of two teams playing each other, those who are left in the playoffs, where would it go? I was going to say, my dream would be the Jets, and that dream ended uh, four plays into the season, so that would be the end of that. Um, Well, I'll say this, okay? It's going to sound kind of crazy, but I think for me, with the teams that are left, dream scenario would be Packers-Browns. And I'm going to tell you why, okay? Packers for Aaron Jones. Simply put, I want to see him in a Super Bowl before he leaves the Packers. So that's the that's the only reason I'm picking Green Bay. Only reason. I was going to pick the Cowboys because I know how good it would be for business and for people around this town and how everybody would be excited about getting back there again and all that. But truth is, hey, I want Aaron to at least experience this once during his NFL career and, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy. Their road would have to be on the – you know, they, they're going to have to win every road game there is. Basically three road games in a row, and it's highly unlikely. Now, as far as the Browns, look, I'm doing it for Chad Middleton. I'm not going to lie to you. Chad Chad suffered. You know, the Jets won Super Bowl three. The Browns have never been to a Super Bowl ever. It is a franchise that in the modern era, the NFL, has had probably some of the worst postseason success in the history of the league. They just, they've just they been snake-bit when they have gone to the playoffs. Remember Marty Schottenheimer years ago and what happened there against the Broncos. And I mean, I'm rooting for them. 
I want to see something special happen. Now, I don't think Cleveland or Green Bay is getting to Vegas. But you asked the question, who would I like to see? That, to me, would be pretty special given those franchises and, and, and their trajectories. Packers have been there a lot of times before, just not with, uh, not with Showtime. Browns, never been there before. That would be pretty cool. You know, with the Packers and the road and the possibility, it'd be so fascinating to me, right? Because this is a team, if they make it to the playoffs, we can go into the store or in the Super Bowl that we can go to the storyline of no one expected this to happen, even when the postseason first happened. Uh, you know, I love the Aaron Jones comments today uh, to a lot of different reporters. It seems like this right here, this game means a lot for him. This could be his final game in a Green Bay Packer uniform. That's another thing to mention right there. In uh, a state in which he grew up in Texas, uh, in a stadium in which he's had a ton of success at, AT AT&T Stadium, whenever he played against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, this one, I I feel like it means a lot to this team, and it means a little bit more to a guy like Aaron Jones, where He's going into an offseason with a little bit of uncertainty. He dealt with durability issues, and what you could say positively about Aaron Jones uh, on the field is that to close out the year, he was as productive as you can ask for him. 100-yard-plus games in all three of the games to close out the season for the Packers. And then off the field, you can say so many good things about Aaron Jones, how he's helped out the young uh, players on this Packers team grow up, and how he's really been a mentor and a leader to this uh, locker room right here there's no doubt um that's a great way to describe it and you know everybody's calling him now one of the old vets on the team isn't that crazy to think about i mean you know he's 29 years old and yet He's like, uh, you know, he's like Grandpa Jones compared to all the youngsters on this club. Exactly. I feel like with what he's been able to do, I mean, even just Jordan Love instilling confidence in the yeah. quarterback who didn't have a lot of experience coming into the season um, is definitely very valuable for Aaron Jones and what he's been able to do with this team. So I just feel like this year, uh, you know, compared to the other ones, this one means a lot to him because he's the older man in the in the locker room right now, because yep. he's the veteran leader with this group. And he wants to get some wins. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I Me think either. that that'll be a, a really special thing to watch here Sunday, just to watch how he performs uh, in this game. Uh, Eddie Morelos at the Mayor LC. I want the Browns versus the Lions in the Super Bowl. Well, the truth is, is that if the Browns had their NFC equivalent that's in the postseason, it's the Detroit Lions. Let's be honest. Another team never been to the Super Bowl before, so you'd have two first timers going in. Teams that have been around forever. Browns have been around since the beginning of time. Same with the Lions. Uh, you know they played together, uh, played against each other in the NFL in the '40s and '50s, and probably the '30s for that matter. So the fact that they would get a chance after all these years to play against each other. That would be the ultimate underdog Super Bowl. It really would. So if we bring karma into this, then karma is not on the side of the Cleveland Browns because just two seasons ago they brought in Deshaun Watson with all the -the off-the-field baggage that he brought in, and it looks like they're already ready to ditch him for uh, their old quarterback in Joe Flacco. So karma is on the Lions' side. If we just had to compare the two teams, 
because look at what they did. They had to trade away their quarterback in Matt Stafford to build for the future. They, at the time, quote-unquote, settled on Jared Goff, who has transformed himself from where he was with the Los Angeles Rams into uh, one of the more efficient quarterbacks that you're going to find in the NFL. Look, we've watched such bad NFL quarterback play this past season. So when you get a consistent guy like Jared Goff, it's uh, refreshing to see, to say the least. And so the fact that he's going up against his former team, which, by the way, uh, Goff helped led, uh, lead the uh, Rams to a Super Bowl back in 2019, which they lost to the Patriots. But still, I, I think he has uh, something that he wants to prove to his former head coach, Sean McVay, yep. and his former team in the, in the Rams. I agree with you. Now, that being said, if you had to pick uh, your two teams with who's left that you would like, the ultimate matchup for you, uh, who would that be and why? I love your uh, case for the Packers, and I almost want to echo that knowing that the Rams, it's not really, you know, I, I would say that uh, maybe they could get past the Lions this weekend, but I, I don't know how realistic it is for them to get that far into the playoffs. I'll say this, though. The young uh, talent that the Rams have is exciting. So since I'm a Rams fan, dream scenario is them. Realistic scenario, uh, maybe the 49ers uh, to go all the way to the Super Bowl. They're probably my pick going into the wild card round on the NFC side. Now, on the AFC side, I would love to see the Ravens go all the way. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I really am uh, encouraged by Lamar Jackson. If we had an opportunity to interview and be a part of the press conference with uh, the league's MVP, the future MVP would be, be awesome uh, to see. And then plus they've got a lot of other personalities on that team. You've got Zay Flowers. You've got right. uh, a lot of really good talent across both sides of the ball. You've got uh, Kyle Hamilton, which, by the way, we got a chance to be in the press conference when Kyle Ham- uh, Hamilton was drafted from Notre Dame to the uh, Ravens just two seasons seasons ago when we were out at the NFL draft. So how fitting would it be to see him again in Las Vegas, but this time for the Super Bowl? I think that would be pretty big. Um, Now, uh, Ravens and 49ers, I mean, those are the two best teams in the league, right? Um, In fact, they both have the buys. Um, You know, they both uh, deserve those buys. But, I always preface it with a but, when that game was played in San Francisco, it was so lopsided that, I mean, I don't even know if I want to see it again. I guess maybe I do just to see what kind of adjustments the 49ers can make. But when you get just trashed in your home stadium in a battle that was billed to be a preview of potentially uh, the Super Bowl, ugh, do, you, do you really do you want that again? Maybe you want to see what, what could happen if San Francisco comes ready to play this time around and they make adjustments from the first time out, but... It's always difficult when you talk about those two teams um, potentially meeting up again in Las Vegas because the first game was just so... um, anticlimactic, if that makes sense. It definitely does. I I think that when you had a fully healthy 49ers team not show up in that game against the Ravens, that's a sound, you know, call for concern for sure on the the 49ers side of things. And, you know, if you're just a football fan, if that ends up being the matchup going into the Super Bowl, of course you're going to have those concerns. And I I would also take it a step further to say this. Uh, The Ravens, they expose some of the weaknesses that the 49ers have. Now, I can't really talk myself into any of the NFC uh, teams right now, um, you know, who are still out there and alive, I, I can't really talk myself into the 
Packers or the Cowboys, Rams, Lions, Eagles, or Bucks, to be honest with you. So to me, it's up to the 49ers to lose in this situation right here. They, they can only beat themselves. We've talked about that cliche all week long, but I truly believe San Francisco is the team that can only beat themselves. Um, I agree with that. I mean, there's, but don't you think there's also a lot of teams you could say like that? I mean, Cowboy fans could probably say the same thing. Dallas will go far if they don't beat themselves. Because I don't, I mean, when, okay, here's the question. If Dallas plays San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, and both teams play up to their capabilities, okay, do the Cowboys win? That's that's yeah. the really interesting question, okay? Because if Dallas shows up in San Francisco on Championship Sunday and they come ready to play and they don't make any mistakes and they play the way they've played most of the season at home, could you really see a situation where the Cowboys lose that football game? It's I a, can't. Yeah, it's an interesting point, but I, I don't see – that would involve the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl, and I just don't see it. I, I, yeah. I can't get to that point. I really can't. I haven't seen I know. it this year. They I, might not even get out of the They might not even get out of the wild card round. Exactly. They're vulnerable. Even though they've shown flashes of greatness this year, it's been to the bad teams or the teams that maybe are frauds, like the well, Eagles of what we've seen to close out the year. But I think the 49ers are vulnerable. If there's one thing I've seen from Brock Purdy this year, bad Brock – is not a quarterback that San Francisco can win the postseason with. Like, in other words, when Brock is not on his game, they're going to lose. There's no doubt about it because he's a pick-throwing machine. And you got to hope that that is not the Purdy that will show up in any of the two rounds when San Francisco will host the divisional and potentially the championship rounds of the NFL playoffs. I mean, the NFC playoffs. You, because, I mean, look, against, against Baltimore, he was, he was awful, and they got destroyed. So, I mean, do you feel – here's another question. Do you feel more confident with Dak going into the playoffs this year? Or Brock Purdy. Oh, it shouldn't even be a question. You should feel more confident about Dak. You should, 100%. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be the reality, but you should. Now, now, if you go position by position, I feel better about uh, San Francisco's running game. I feel better about uh, Dallas's wide receiving or the receiving uh, game. I feel much better about San Francisco's offensive line compared to Dallas's. I feel better about. Uh, Oof, the defensive front is an interesting matchup, but I, I might give the slight edge uh, to the Cowboys. The linebackers definitely go to 49ers. The secondary goes to the Cowboys. The special teams goes to the Cowboys. So, yeah, you can kind of go piece by piece, position by position, and it does look, at least on paper, pretty even between the Cowboys and 49ers. Now, Dak had two terrible games this season. Against Buffalo on the road, he was 21 of 34 for 134 yards and a pick. No touchdowns, okay? And against the 49ers when they lost 42 to 10 or 40 what was it uh, 42 to 10 he was 14 of 24 for 153 yards one touchdown and three interceptions. So he played bad against the 49ers and he played bad against Buffalo. So other than that he was terrific all season long. He was good Dak and uh, actually great Dak you could say. And then when you look at Brock Purdy's game log this season you realize that he had a couple of bad performances. But even his worst games, he's still throwing for 250, 300 yards. Now, against Baltimore, he was 18 of 32 for 255 and four picks, no touchdowns. By far, 
his worst game of the season. But when they lost three in a row, I mean, against Cleveland, they lost 27-12. to 12. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1917, he was 12 of 27 for a buck 25, a touchdown and an interception. So, you know what? Brock's had his clunkers this year, too which also kind of make for a really interesting storyline, don't they? Yeah, it does. I think that those games, the one thing that you can note is that Debo Samuel was out in the in the three straight losses. They'll yep. expect to have him here. Ayuk is fantastic in the receiving game. So if he lets it loose, he's got Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel, A-list uh, you know, targets that you can use in the receiving game. And don't forget about Christian McCaffrey and all the other skill position players that they like to throw out there as well. So I just think from that standpoint, talent standpoint in particular, it's the 49 to lose right here. They've they're so talented all over the field. I guess you're right. The, their biggest question is does Brock Purdy hold them back in one of these postseason games? It's a big question. You're 100% right. 100% right. By the way, Purdy's numbers and Dak Prescott's numbers are very similar. They both completed 70% of their passes. I think Prescott was at 4500 yards, Purdy was at 40 almost 4300. Um Prescott threw 9 picks, 11 for Purdy. 30, what, 35 touchdowns for Dak, 31 for, uh, for, for Brock. Similar numbers, similar numbers this year. Definitely, and and uh, it also tells you that uh, you know how Lamar Jackson really performed this year. If he actually outperformed both those guys to uh, voters for the MVP award, yep. so it just shows a lot for guys like Lamar, knowing that Dak and Brock Purdy they had MVP caliber numbers to close out the year. When we come back, the Foss will weigh in with his thoughts on the Cowboys and Packers. Looking forward to that as we wind it up on a busy week here on Sports Talk. Go to Charlie One. Actually, we won't go to Charlie One. Are we done with Charlie today? Correct. Have a great weekend, Charlie. We'll talk to you on Monday. Come back with Foss next, 600 ESPN El Paso. Cowboys are going to have. The Packers are a younger team, uh, not as experienced, not great on the road. Um, again, Dallas, much better at home. They, 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 they have the advantages. So, But you still have to play the game. Well, listen, Green Bay is number one playing good football right now. Like if you watch them, they're confident, they're clicking, their offense is moving the ball. Aaron Jones, who's made a career against the Cowboys, is healthy. He's had three straight 100-yard games. Jordan Love. Um, looks like a quarterback that can absolutely take Green Bay to the playoffs in the foreseeable future. I mean, I was trying to think about this game. Like, if you were the Cowboys, did you? I mean, one in one in one shot, you get the Rams, and the other scenario, you get the Packers. I mean, I don't know. The Rams are also playing really good football right now. It's it's right. it's 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 a tough go, no matter where you you know, no matter which uh, team the Cowboys would get in this wild card round. That's correct. Um, but Matthew Stafford being the local guy, eh, I don't want it too close to home. I would rather play the Packers, and I think what you do is you just go out there with a pulverizing attitude. And you go, you know what? Here's the chance to finally take it out on <laughs> somebody wearing a Green Bay uniform. And you're right. I, I think Aaron Jones can still get 100 yards. But I think at the end of the day, you put that defense – out there, and Dan Quinn, uh, you know, again, this is probably one of the best opportunities Cowboys are going to have here in a while to do something, really make uh, an opportunity of their playoff second season. Um, if they don't 
figure this one out against a young, yes, well-playing Packers team, and you can forget it. Well, let's stick with that if, and let's talk hypotheticals, Foss, because if they don't get it done, do you believe there needs to be change at that head coaching position with Mike McCarthy and see a change there for who leads them next year if they don't get it done in this round? Good point. Um, I think there's something, and you know, I have sports superstitions, and I do think that finally putting Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor is going to make a difference. And I don't think necessarily that uh, there is going to be that if, but you asked it. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, you'd have to consider it. Um, however, you know, you'd have to figure out who you're going to get so you don't wind up like Texas A&M. Uh, you've got to figure out, is it really going to work well for you? And, again, truly – it's more on Dan Quinn because I, I think defense wins championships is just not a cliche. I think it is as true as true can be in any sport. So um, does that mean Mike McCarthy doesn't have the leadership? Jerry Jones has his hands so and fingerprints so much on the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if that matters. Yeah, and, and you know what? Dan Quinn's a hot coaching name right now. That's another good point. So, you know, with Quinn out there and, uh, and McCarthy, uh, you know, you're right. If if the defense falters and the Packers score points and uh, they make a couple of big plays defensively, they end up winning this game, then maybe you could say blame is to go around when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think the one silver lining uh, that there is for Dallas is that they can score points at home. So I am not truly concerned about a shootout. It would look something like the Seattle game. That cost me my fantasy football championship. I'm not bitter, but I remember. Uh, and, and you would maybe have a game like that. I still think Dallas comes out on top. However, Adrian appropriately said, if not, then what? One more hypothetical, Foss. Uh, if this is our final segment with you, because we take you through uh, the entire Cowboys season, let's say the season's over, what if we call you next week and we're talking about the latest hiring of Bill Belichick as the next coach for the Cowboys next week? I tell you what, his discipline is should be welcomed at this point by any franchise club, what have you. When you guys have basically the Obi-Wan or Yoda of the NFL, you better listen up, you better take note, and you better do what they say. He knows exactly what he's doing. He just doesn't have a quarterback. Well, he would if he came to Dallas. Absolutely. That's correct. Now, if you had that in mind and Belichick wasn't hired and, and, and you stumbled, no question, without a doubt. Absolutely. Thousand percent, as you say. All right. Bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Adrian, I'll leave it to you. You want to stay with Foss and and uh, or you want to yeah, go, go, let's you, do it. All right. So no, we'll we'll, we'll blow off Sports Center. Right? You know what? Listen, you've done enough of those today. Enough of those this week. We'll uh, we'll just go nonstop with Foss and uh, we'll hit Sports Center uh, back uh, Monday at four when we come back with you here on the show with a lot more to talk about. Um, I, I I'm in agreement with. A lot of the stuff you're saying. And, you know, we, we brought this up earlier before we brought you on. We were talking about the Cowboys and, and, the, and the 49ers. And I even said, let's just say both teams are clicking on all cylinders, right? 
49ers are doing right. what they do best. Cowboys right. do what they do best. If right. you took these two teams at their at, at their height, yeah. um, who wins that game? Does Dallas or San Francisco win, even though it would be in San Fran? But let's just assume the Cowboys didn't stumble. Let's assume they scored points offensively. Assume the defense played pretty well. Um, and the 49ers did as well. I mean, who? when everything is going the way it should, who has the better team, Cowboys or 49ers? This is crazy, but I think Dallas on the best day, and, 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 I, and I surveyed this, but I didn't want to, you know, as, as the brothers say, uh, and sipping on gin and juice, my man Snoop Dogg, study long, study wrong. The thing that got me is I think at peak performances, Dallas's defensive line with Lawrence and Micah Parsons squeezes out Bosa at Al in San Francisco. They get and disrupt Purdy a little bit more than Dak. However, I think Purdy, as crazy as it sounds, may have the advantage in quick decision-making. His penny and processor may work a little bit better, but I saw what Baltimore did. And if you can have any type of formula that those guys did against Brock Purdy, I'm 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 leaning Dallas. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. Um, all right, let's get back to the Packers for just a second. Okay, sure. The Packers are to me such an intriguing opponent in this wild card round for the Cowboys because they're nine and eight. Nobody expected them in the playoffs. Nobody gave them a chance to, to do anything in this division. This was a rebuilding year. People thought Jordan Love might not even be the answer at quarterback, and he has the biggest question mark of anybody uh, into this season. Bunch of young, unproven receivers that have done nothing. An aging running back uh, who has passed his prime. And you look at the way this team finished the season, okay? And that's where I'm looking. They win three in a row, albeit. The Panthers are one of those three wins, but they beat them on the road. They beat the Vikings on the road. They beat the Bears at home. Um, prior to that, they had stumbled against the Bucks and the Giants before reeling off uh, three straight victories over the Chargers, Lions, and Chiefs. Now, again, a lot of good wins for the Green Bay Packers in the second half of the season. And now Love has more confidence than he does uh, all year. Jones is healthy. He's rushing for 100 yards each of his last three games. And the most important thing to me is that they're going to go into Dallas with a nothing-to-lose, everything-to-gain mentality. This is a team that doesn't know playoff failure because they've never been there before other than uh, just a couple of guys. And that's a dangerous team, especially if they start clicking early. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I've done this a little bit, okay? And and, and I hear that, you know? But I'm the veteran team. You're the little brother. I go in there and, oh, we did some of this and we did some of that. I beat the living par out of you, and I run it up. I look to score 40-plus against the Packers. Sure. Yeah, sure. It was really good. Your little 9-8 and little run against the Bears and the Panthers on the road. Ooh. But I'm going to beat the living nights out of you at home. And you go and you pulverize. And you don't have anything left. 
as they say in Remember the Titans, leave no doubt. I want the – hey, Jordan Love, maybe one day, but not this day. And you get in them and on them quick, and you don't take off the, 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 the gas until about late, third to fourth quarter, late. And when you do that, you let them know. Don't even think that you are going to come in here and win this game. That's how I would treat you. And that's the whole mentality I would have all week playing against all that you just described. I would treat you like a little brother that you were. I would run it up on you. Yes, I would. Let them get mad at me. But I'm looking to go deep into the playoffs, and I'm making a statement for you young whippersnappers feeling good and the rest of because you've got to deal with San Francisco at some point. Fosses will only be Dak's seventh playoff game, and he's been in the league since 2016. He's somebody who, in the postseason, has 11 touchdowns to five interceptions and 11 sacks. Do those stats concern you right there? Do you think he's behind, or he's kind of put all the, uh, I guess, uh, inconsistencies in the postseason behind him? Or are you a little worried about just Dak, who he is, going into the postseason? Uh, Let's start with the, the numbers you gave me. What can we do about yesterday? Nothing. This is the best opportunity or, or one of the two best opportunities he's going to have to date. you got to be this MVP talking guy that people talked about earlier in the season at home and get it done, period. I don't care what you did 25 years of your life up to – this upcoming Sunday, Mm -hmm. you need to leave that right where it was. You need to be the new man and as good as new money and put a whooping on the package. If you are short sort of than that as your thought process, yeah, then, then Dak will never get it done. Especially when you look at this team and realize that this is probably the best opportunity the Cowboys yep. are going to have to yep. get back to the big one than yep. uh, than in a long, long time. Yes, hundred percent. Well, without a doubt, you and I and are uh, you we're in agreement. You, yeah. you you don't allow uh, upcoming nine and eight teams and no, nah, that's bunk, bro. If I'm on his team, I'm like we're putting the foot all up in Green Bay. That Vincent T. Lombardi is going to feel this one, okay? That's where I'm at. And I don't talk any more than that. Then you go play. You go play. When, and, you know, y'all get on me about this, but when we beat Coronado, they were ranked 10th in the state. We knew they were good. They trashed us in the non-district 34-10 to 10 in the Sun Bowl. If we didn't have the ability to believe we have to knock them the frick out, or we're going to go back to Montwood and Yarborough with the L. Plain and simple. That's because y'all were great. These guys aren't. They beat two scrub teams in the Vikings that are on their fifth quarterback. They need to put 40-plus on them and go, thanks for playing. Next. Just like Goldberg. Who's next? That's the attitude Cowboys have against the Packers. Plain and simple. Nothing short of that. 
Foss, you could also say that the Cowboys have been exceptional at home, 8-0 this season uh, when they play at AT&T Stadium. I think their best win at home probably came in their 33-13 win against the Eagles. If you want to call the Eagles frauds, then you'll look at the 43-20 victory against the Rams, another playoff team. Uh, but what makes the Cowboys so special at home, uh, and what's are you concerned? Maybe that streak could come to an end, knowing that they're 8-0, and hey, maybe they have to lose at home at some point in this season? No. No. Not at all. Because, again, Adrian, when you get into this type of stuff, you don't talk as if, you don't go to practice as if I'm not a good team and I'm not playing well. Regardless of how it happened, we're the NFC champs. We're 8-0 at home. All I would do, if I'm Mike McCarthy, I put 9-0 on the whiteboard. Nothing else. That's all you can get out of Sunday. Nine to zero at home. I don't concern myself with all the other stuff. You become very focused as an athlete. You know exactly what you need to do. You don't need to talk about it because athleticism is action, not words. And when you go against quality opponents in the second season, I don't care if they did whatever they did. You don't do a lot of talking except when the, when the numbers go up higher and higher on the scoreboard. That's how I talk to you. Well, I remember one of the greatest examples of somebody who thought they could win and couldn't was when Stephen Ames played Tiger Woods match play being 10 and 9. Because Stephen Ames said, ah, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, I can take Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods shut him the frick out. Mm-hmm. That's what you do to the Packers. All right. Before we wrap it up with you, very quickly, let's go through the other games. I want to just know who you like in these games. Starting off tomorrow with Browns-Texans. That's the 2.30 game here uh, from Houston. Who do you like? Upset special. I'm going to go with the young gun. I like C.J. Stroud. Saw him in person against the Titans on the 31st. And if he can just maintain uh, some stability. D'Amico Ryan has that defense playing well. I love Joe Flacco. Texans in a close one. Dolphins-Chiefs in the uh, frozen uh, wind. You know, they have that weird stat, getting to Adrian's point, about warm weather teams playing in cold weather. Ah, there's something to that. I was uh, a grad assistant, as you all know, with Nebraska, and we were playing against Oklahoma. It was so cold, I was standing next to the heater thing. My sweat, y'all, started melting because I was that close to the fire and could not really have my sense and sensibility because I was trying to stay warm. Kansas City, the elements are, are too much. Bills in a snowstorm against the uh, Steelers Sunday morning at 11. Both understand cold, but the Bills are a better team. Bills over the Steelers. The night game, Rams and Lions from Detroit. I, I love that matchup. Um, you know, that could also be another upset special. But I think Matthew Stafford, um, if he can get his passing game going, uh, he may eke out a last-second field goal. But if the Lions win, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. And uh, finally, eagles Bucks from Tampa, the Monday night game at 6.15. Oh, man, that's two Texas high school football quarterbacks, man. That's Channel View versus Lake Travis. Oh, uh, 
the Eagles are in disarray. And if A.J. Brown keeps, again, bumping off, talking, you know, wide receivers are a very interesting bunch. Um, Tampa Bay could sneak up at home and beat them. And goodbye, Eagles. Is that what you think is going to happen? Yeah, I'll, I'll ride with my guy from Lake Travis. Sure. Esteban, listening to the interview, uh, says on uh, social, Montwood and McCray, not Yarbrough. Well, Yarbrough and McCray is where I'd have to go home. <laughs> Montwood and McCray is where the school is. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, he put not he in, in, in all but caps. But I'm saying, I'm saying I'd have to go home on all way, and that's more Montwood and well, I just want. I to mean, it's more, it's more Yarbrough. Yeah, I, I, I got you. I got you. He was just, he was just throwing that out there, throwing that. Uh, throwing he's, out, he's absolutely correct. The, um, he's got the, he's, he's the, got the, he's got the drop the pin on the location of the new school. He's yeah. the East Side Much Police, enough. is what he is. Esteban is the East Side Police. He got a great name too. Yes, he, he does. Is. Got a great name. All right. <laughs> hey, enjoy the weekend. Thanks for the time. Um, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to check back with you next week and talk about the uh, Cowboys divisional back. round. You're checking back next week, okay? Yeah. All right? We're checking back next week. All right. And I'm very, very excited to be going to Vegas with Adrian and Cappy for the Super Bowl. I'm very, very excited to go back with my mates and, and do what we do and do how we do. And you know my best friend, he got the new crib in Henderson that we got to check out. I am looking forward to that and looking forward to spending some time with Superman while we're there. That'll be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Take care. All right. The Foss, 46 past. We'll wrap it up next. Final countdown and sports talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.